Blog Talk Radio. Enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Your end time watchman. Bringing you light in a dark world. Where truth is rivaled with a lie. And the matrix is normal life. Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth not. You are now in the zone. So be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days. So you will be ready for the coming of the Lord. You are in the zone. The prophecy zone. So join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy. So you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Hello, welcome to the Prophecy Zone. This is Phil Armstrong, and we have an awesome show lined up for y'all today. We got an author of the book, Patris Romanos, The Final Pope, is here. Uh, his name is Chris Putnam. Uh, he I co-authored that book with um, Tom Horn, and he is here to answer some questions. Uh, I've been um, researching Bible prophecy um, I can say off and on for 15 years. I can't say all the way on like some of these guys, but um, some of the some of the guests that come on my show are researchers at heart, and this is what Chris is. He likes to research. Uh, he does an excellent job at um, picking up stuff that we might not normally find. Perry Stone does that too. Perry Stone is awesome at finding things that. Uh, I would say, where did he get that from? Uh, and this is one of those books. Uh, who is the Pope? I, I got to say, uh, the last Pope I predicted because I was sitting in a bookstore and uh, I was looking at who is the next Pope. And on the cover of the Pope, they have this guy turned around towards the Vatican. He's looking at the Vatican, so he's, his back is facing us. And um, it has a question mark, who is the next Pope? So I started reading um, everything, and I noticed that um, Ressinger, uh, which is the current pope, uh, Benedict, was pretty popular. I, I just figured that out from that book. And nothing in the book said he was going to be next in line. I just kind of had a notion. I've always been like that. I'm not saying I'm a prophet or nothing like that, but I've always been able to put two and two together. Um and um, the last time uh, I, I looked at that book, I think I was looking for a Jewish man, and I couldn't find one because currently uh, Cardinal Martini is actually sick. And I was thinking he would be the next pope because he was, I think he was from um, uh, Israel. Matter of fact, he lives there now. So that throws that dream out the window of me correcting two popes in a row. But... Um, Hopefully I won't be here to see it. <laughs> but uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to bring our Pope. Our, our um, Pope, where did I get that from? <laughs> I hope he's not a Pope. We're going to bring our guest on. <laughs> 
I'm still thinking about the next Pope. By the way, they did have a black guy in Africa. Uh, I can't see a black guy being a false prophet for some reason. It just doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> they were saying that this guy was next in line. Uh, he's somewhere from South Africa or something like that. But we're going to take a break and I'm going to say Pope again. But we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. October 30th, 1991. President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTernan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcturnan.name. interesting news to share so stay tuned for tomorrow's show um the middle east is getting pretty hot so stay tuned for tomorrow's show we got some uh news to cover on that part um chris you there yes i am hey it's great to be on the show with you thank you thank you thank you for coming on now you got to go out of town so um we we want to get straight to the punch um I was hoping I would uh, one day get two hours with you, but uh, since we can't, uh, I want to get just to the nuggets, (laughs) to the meat and nuggets of this um, book that you got. Um, You uh, uh, co-opted this with Tom uh, Horn. How did y'all get together uh, for for the writing of this book? Well, you know, a few years back, Tom had issued an open letter to Christian leaders on the subject of transhumanism. He was trying to uh, kind of inspire some Christians to address that issue, and um, I actually wrote a paper for a systematic theology class I was taking in seminary on the subject of transhumanism, and Tom ended up publishing that in a book called Pandemonium's Engine. So Tom and I kind of had a relationship um, over the Internet, mostly, and he would he would actually link to a lot of the articles that I would post on my blog and things like that. And um, he was actually speaking at uh, one of Chuck Missler's conferences, and you know, I had emailed him 
you know, asking him about uh, a reference he had made to the St. Malachi prophecy in his book, Apollyon Rising. And we got to talking about it, and, and we, we both, you know, found it pretty intriguing that we're right up against the end of what reports to be a 900-year-old prophecy, mm-hmm. and um, nobody else was really writing about it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's amazing to, for him to... Uh, even come up with close to what he has outside of Bible prophecy. Um, what what is um, what does he do? I mean, did, is there like a line for each pope? I mean, how does that work? Okay, well, you know what this thing is. Now it's kind of um, you know we don't have a lot of data about exactly where it came from, but I mean we do have accounts written by by various historians and Catholics. And the way the legend goes, and I can't really say it's a lot more than a legend because a lot of these things were written hundreds of years after the, um, the events they speak, they speak on. But, yeah. you know, apparently Malachi is an Irish saint. Uh, he was known to be a reformer. He, you know, he lived in the, the 12th century. So the way the story goes, around 1139 A.D., he made a pilgrimage from Ireland to Rome, which would have been a pretty rugged journey. Um, he went to you know, talk to the Pope about getting some new uh, districts in, in Ireland um, recognized. And supposedly the way it goes, he had a vision on Janicom Hill, which is a hill right outside of Rome, mm-hmm. where he saw... Um, you know, the history of all the popes to the tribulation period, and this was 112 popes. So we're talking, you know, 1139. He has this vision, and what he, he describes them all with like these little short Latin phrases. And, mm-hmm. you know, phrases like the cross of Romulus, um, glory of the olive. Uh, unsatiable beast these are you know the the english translations of what these latin phrases are you know so they're most of them are really short and you know they they seem a little vague but um what they seem to describe is a lot of times it will be something on the coat of arms they call it the heraldry of the Mm -hmm. pope and this in the ancient world this was really important you were identified by your coat of arms so a lot of them seem to, to be describing the coat of arms of the pope some of them describe something about where he was from or, or his life or his family. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them seem to describe events that happened during his reign, during what they call his pontificate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's a fair criticism of this prophecy that, you know, it doesn't have a precise reference. You know, it's not predicting the same sort of thing every time. And so yeah. I think it's fair to kind of say, well, you know, people could kind of bend, you know, the prediction to fit. And, you know, that was one of the things that I looked at um, because, you know, I, I didn't really have any particular bias to accept this as a real prophecy when I started investigating. And, in fact, there was a point when I was, you know, thinking that maybe it was just made up and, and there wasn't anything to it. But the more I dug in the more I found things I couldn't explain. And, you know, where I sit today, you know, I don't claim to know for sure if this is real, but there are some fulfillments that I really just can't explain away. So I think it does deserve our attention. I'm not saying that we should put it in the same category as Bible prophecy, but I don't think we should just brush it to the side either. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) 
So what what is the prophecy for uh, the current pope? What did he say about the current pope? Well, the current pope, it's his motto was glory of the olive. Mm. Now, because of because of that, a lot of the the Catholics that watch this thing, you know, and try to predict who the next pope would be, they they all thought it was going to be somebody from the Benedictine order, which is a monastic order who is yeah. symbolized by the olive branch. So they yeah. figured glory of the olive would mean it would be a Benedictine monk who would rise to be the pope. Well, when yeah. Cardinal Ratzinger uh, was elected pope, a lot of people at first assumed that it had failed because he's not a Benedictine monk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what was astounding is then he chose his own papal name to be Pope Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> so in a, in a very real way, he made it a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, mm-hmm. and I found that throughout history, uh, more than a few of them seem to have kind of made it happen or, or yeah. made it match up. But yeah. um, there are others that aren't so easily explained. Now, I'll tell you about the one, this is the one that really made me stand up and take notice of this prophecy. Now, you know, before I explain this one, I'll, I'll tell the, the listeners, like I said, the, the, the origins of this prophecy are somewhat dubious. Um, it's really hard to nail down. I mean, the legend says that St. Malachi delivered it in 1139 and that, you know, the Pope must have filed it away in the Vatican vault somewhere because it doesn't appear in print until 1595. You know, nearly 400 years later, it sat around, you know, and no one really talked about it. Now, there appears to be some mention in some books around 1570, and that leads a lot of scholars to think that maybe someone found it or discovered it in the Vatican Library around 1570 or something like that. Uh-huh. But... um. We don't have a solid, verifiable copy until 1595. It was published in a book called The Tree of Life, and mm-hmm. that is undisputed. So, you know, just to make things simple, you know, the way to test this thing is don't worry about trying to look at the ones that are predicted before it was published, because most of the criticism says somebody, you know, just manufactured this thing, and it's prophecy after the event. You know, they wrote it down on things that had already happened to make it look supernatural. So, but, I mean, the thing that 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 explanation will not explain is the ones that come true after 1595, because nobody disputes that it's in print then. So these recent ones are are pretty astounding. Now, the one that that really um, caught my attention and... You know, this is the reason I don't think that I can debunk this prophecy is because, you know, like I said, some of the others are vague. But, you know, when, when a scientist tests a, a scientific theory or a hypothesis, what he tries to do is he tries to falsify his, his hypothesis. It means he designs an experiment where, you know, unless a certain outcome comes true, then it proves his theory false. Um, and then, you know, if it doesn't prove false, if it, if it does, if he makes a risky prediction and it, and it does happen, it verifies the theory. You know, they very seldom use the word proof when they're testing something. So what we want to look at is does this prophecy make any risky predictions, you know, something that you wouldn't expect to happen, something that would be out of the normal. Does it make a prediction that we can test? Mm-hmm. You know, something like, glory of the olive or flower of flowers, it's hard to test. 
Yeah. You could kind of bend it to match the Pope's. You could find yeah. something in his life to make it match. Well, yeah. this one that happened to fall in the list, you know, it's a sequence. It goes in order, so you can't just move them around. The one that fell for Benedict the Fifteenth. He, he was Pope from 1914 to 1922, mm-hmm. and, and the Latin phrase for his pontificate was religio de populata, and that just translates into English to religion depopulated. Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of prediction that I was looking for because it's, it's easily falsifiable. If you think yeah. about it, you know, you would expect probably nothing to happen too, too dramatic. You would expect the church to basically stay the same. Um, you know, his reign could have been marked by, like, a, a revival in the Catholic Church or, yeah. or something like that. You know, but you would expect it just to kind of stay level, you know, nothing too dramatic. So this is a risky prediction. It's saying that religion is going to be depopulated. Hmm. Um, but, okay, now here's what really blew me away. This is 1914 to 1922 is when World War I, the greatest war in all of history, hit the European continent. It was devastating to the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and to add insult to injury, shortly thereafter, we had the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, um, where they estimate up to 200 million people left the Russian Orthodox Church to join the Communist Party. Uh, the ones that didn't leave the church, the Communist Party targeted them for persecution because they saw religious leaders as the greatest threat to the state. So, I mean, probably more than any other time in history, you see religion depopulated, right when this prophecy predicted it. I mean, they, they credit Joseph Stalin for probably killing 43 million people um, and it's right at the same period of time that this prophecy said religion would be depopulated. Wow. Now, that's pretty, um, that's pretty amazing accuracy. And, and you yeah. know, knowing that it was in print in 1595, we're talking about events in the 20th century. Um, yeah. That one really made me take notice. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, real quick uh, with uh, Pope John, because I'm, I'm pretty interested in figuring out what it said about Pope John, the last pope. Uh, John, John Paul II? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, his um, motto was, from the labor of the sun, okay? Hmm. Yeah. Now, in, in Latin, you could, you could translate that to something like maybe pregnancy of the sun or travails of the sun or perhaps eclipse of the sun, you know, hmm. de labor solis. Yeah. So. The thing that's really interesting is that John Paul II was born during a solar eclipse. Hmm. Okay, from the labor of the sun. Well, yeah. to, to to make it even more interesting, turns out when he died in 2005, they buried him during a solar eclipse. Oh man! Wow. <laughs> and you know, so that's not the kind of thing you can't really control when you're born. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So when it says from the labor of the sun, it, these two bookends of eclipses really do seem to to, to give it a supernatural uh, flavor, don't they? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I was thinking um, maybe it has something to do with the 20th century, but I don't know. I heard that before, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, the thing that 
of course, caught my imagination and Tom Horn's. And the reason why we wrote this book is not because we are impressed with the accuracy yeah. of this Catholic prophecy. It's really the ending of it that is captured. Yeah. That's why we're yeah. here. To talk. That's why yeah. we're doing this yeah. interview on a yeah, show about Bible prophecy. Yeah. Is that okay? Benedict the Sixteenth, our current pope, the glory of the olive is the next to the last pope on the list. And that's the big deal. He's 111 yeah. out of the 112. Yeah. And the 112th prophecy is a little different. It's not a short little Latin phrase. It's not cross of Romulus or unsatiable beast or flower of flowers. Mm-hmm. Here's, the, here's the prediction for the very next pope. Now, for your listeners, keep in mind that our current pope is 85 years old. They're wheeling him around on a cart right now. So this is what we would expect for the very next pope. It says, in the extreme persecution of the Holy Roman Church, there will sit Peter the Roman, who will nourish the sheep during many tribulations. And when Mm. they are finished, the city of seven hills will be destroyed, and the dreadful judge will judge his people, the end. Now that one's not very vague. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what jumps out to you from that that last prediction? Do you see the parallels in the Book of Revelation? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I do. Um, that's what uh, it sounds like to me. <laughs> but when, yeah. what, when when is the timeline for this guy to appear? Does he give a timeline? Well, you see, he doesn't give times. He just has this sequence. You know, it's just this list. And wow. this is the last one on the list, and, you know, it's the very next pope. You know, and the things that, you know, when I look at this thing, I see persecution of the church, yeah. many tribulations, the city of yeah. seven hills destroyed, yeah. and judgment. Just like revelation. The thing that's really, um, I think, the most intriguing is that, you know, we're dealing with a Catholic prophecy, and it's predicting the destruction of Rome. I mean, the City of Seven Hills is a very transparent reference to Rome. Rome is classically known as the City of Seven Hills. Even the Catholic Encyclopedia identifies Rome as the City on Seven Hills. Yeah. So that's pretty uncontroversial. When you think about, when you get testimony from a source that's contrary to their own best interest, when someone testifies in a way that's not to their advantage, that, that's usually a sign that it's authentic. You know, people don't uh-huh. usually make up stuff that's against them, their own interests. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we wouldn't expect that a Catholic mystic would prophesy the destruction of Rome just for propaganda purposes. It, it, that doesn't seem yeah. likely. It, it, you know, and uh, you know, the thing that's really interesting to me, and this is what I spent some time in the book dealing with, is, in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, it talks about mystery Babylon, the great, the great harlot that sits yeah. on many waters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in verse 9 of Revelation, chapter 17, it says, you know, here, for a mind that has wisdom, the seven heads, it's talking about this beast that the woman is riding, the seven mm-hmm. heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Hmm. So right there is a very strong connection to this seven-hilled city in Revelation uh-huh. chapter 17, verse 9. Now, yeah. at the very end of that chapter, it really nails down the identity of, of this uh, great harlot uh, with some precision. It says, the woman that you saw 
is that great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. Now, you know, when we interpret the Bible, you know, the way that they teach us in seminary is that you want to keep the author's original intention as your guide to what a passage means. Yeah. I mean, the passage really means something real. So what did the original author have in his mind when he wrote this text? Well, you know, John wrote Revelation around 90 A.D., which is at the height of the Roman Empire. Um, and, you know, he's already mentioned the city of Seven Hills, but, you know, at the height of the Roman Empire, the city that had dominion over the kings of the earth was inarguably Rome. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's uh, much of a stretch at all to see no. that Revelation 17 is, is predicting Rome would be the seat of Mystery Babylon. And here we have a Catholic prophecy that's 900 years old, that's coming to a head very soon, and it seems to match Revelation 17 very well. Yeah. And, you know, if it's talking about this is happening during the next pope's reign then that is very suggestive that we are right up against the tribulation period yes indeed man. yes indeed i was listening to one of your programs uh, last night and uh, i was listening to a few of them so my, i'm getting old so i don't remember uh, exactly what one said this but they that the, the 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 year 2012 popped up where did y'all get that from well yeah, that's that's really interesting. And you know, when we first started this book project, I, you know, I didn't have 2012 in my on my radar for this project at all. Yeah, you know, I've kind of been critical of the whole hysteria about the Mayan calendar and all that. And I've I've blogged about um, how the ancient aliens show kind of jumped on the 2012 bandwagon. So I've kind of been you know criticizing the whole thing. And, you know, and we had gotten about a month into the research on this Malachi prophecy, and um, I was reading a lot of books out of Europe by different Catholic scholars trying to, you know, find out some more about the origins about this prophecy, who might have believed in it. And I found a book by uh, a Jesuit scholar from Belgium. He was a professor at the University of Namur over there in Belgium, and he speaks French. He yeah. uh, was a theologian. He wrote books about uh, biblical studies and theology. His name is Rene Thibault. And uh, Thibault had written a book called The Mysterious Prophecy of the Popes. And this book was in French. Mm-hmm. So I, was tr- I-, I dug it up. It was in a library about 30 miles from here in the basement of a university. Nobody had looked at this thing in probably 20 years. And uh, so they dug it up from the basement for me. And I, I started going through it, and uh, (laughs) the year 2012 is everywhere in this book. Um, I think he mentions it 24 times. Um, This book was published in 1951. The copyright in the book is 1951, long before anybody was talking about the Mayan calendar, long before Hollywood was making 2012 movies. You know, so... What did, what, did, what did he think? He thought that the last pope would arrive in the year 2012. And, and he wrote this thing in 1950. And, wow. I mean, he, he calculated. He found, like, like I said, this thing is these Latin phrases, right? It's a list of 112 Latin phrases with that little paragraph, you know, about the destruction of Rome at the end. Mm-hmm. Now, he um, 
Latin is a lot like Greek and Hebrew and that they associate numbers with the letters, and they call it you know, gametria, gametria. Um, and he found all kinds of codes and, and, and encryption schemes and anagrams in the Latin text of this Malachi prophecy. He really thought this thing was supernatural, um, deep. So he like, it was like the, the Malachi code or something. He found all these crazy codes that he calculated the year 2012 from. And, and I break some of those down in our book. But one of the simplest ways that he determined that the last pope would arrive in 2012 is pretty easy to understand, so I can explain that one to your listeners. What he did, like I said, there's some controversy over the early portion of this prophecy because no one's exactly sure when it really appeared. Um, he thought that, you know, that maybe the first part of it, somebody had altered it, had monkeyed around with it, and changed it to make it seem better than it was. But he determined that the real part of it started in 1572, which is when somebody had mentioned it. So he mm -hmm. thought that he could rely on that being the original prophecy. So he took from 1572 up until the time he was writing in 1950, he took that number of years and just divided the number of popes so he could find out the average length of time that a pope was in office. Mm -hmm. So he calculated that the average reign the average length of time was 11 years for each pope, mm -hmm. just on average, okay? Yeah. And so from 1572 to the end of the list, he, he started at Gregory VIII, I believe, and then he, um, he just calculated that there were 40 popes left from that mm -hmm. date forward. So yeah. he took 11 years times 40 popes, which is 440 years, okay? Mm -hmm. So that would be, if you just kept that average of 11 four times 40 popes, 440 more years. Well, then he added 440 years to 1572, and that lands on 2012, wow. just based on the averages. Yeah. Now, so, you know, I, I tested all this math. I threw all this on a spreadsheet on Microsoft Excel. Uh -huh. you know, I calculated the, the average length of a, I mean, the, to um, – using days, you know, just how many days was the Pope's in office. So it got it down to, you know, one three sixty-fifth of a year. And, you know, his math was right. The 11-year average is pretty accurate. Um, but what I did is I extrapolated it toward the future, because, like, he wrote this book in 1950. So I wanted to know, what if I add the new Pope's since 1950, you know, up until now? Mm -hmm. Will that 11-year average hold? Wow. It does. I added, you know, I added the new popes on, and it held with really good accuracy. In fact, you know, for the 11 to stay true, we would expect Pope Benedict to leave office this year somehow. And, yeah. and it didn't have to be that way. And that's the yeah. thing that's intriguing. You know, I want your listeners to think about this. John Paul I, who was the pope before, you know, John Paul II, he just in like 1976, I believe, or... 78, but anyway, he, um, he was only pope for 33 days. He yeah. died mysteriously. A lot of people think he was poisoned. Yeah. Think about this. What if he had lived a normal lifespan? What if, what if he had been pope for 20 years? You know, from, that would have thrown this 11-year average way off. And, oh, you know, yeah. we would, it would be past the year 2012 before we got to the end of this Malachi list. Yeah. So, you know, this average 11 didn't have to hold, but it really has. And in fact, like I said, if we would expect Benedict to leave office 
this year, and it's, it looks like it's holding true. Now, I don't know if yeah. it's going to be true. I'm not a prophet myself, and all I'm doing is, is kind of saying what this, this Jesuit wrote back in 1950 yeah. is you know, it's, it's, it's so far so good. Um, and it's pretty amazing. You know, I don't know what to expect, but when you look around at, at the news stories coming out of Rome right now, there's a lot of jockeying for position. It looks like a lot of political posturing is going on. We have this Vatty Link scandal. Yeah. Where Butler was leaking documents. And, you know, there's all kinds of, of, of news stories coming out of Rome. It's all controversial. It really looks like people are jockeying for position anticipating the next and possibly final conclave. Yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. Wasn't there uh, rumors that um, the current pope was thinking about retiring? Yes, there were. And, you know, that, that was one of the things. It's like about the time that I had done the spreadsheet and was calculating, you know, checking the numbers that Rene Thibault had generated, Tom sent me a link to an article from La Stampa, which is an uh, Italian uh, website and newspaper. It, it, it was saying that there were rumors that Pope Benedict was going to retire in April during his birthday. He turned 85 this April. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there were a lot of rumors going around about that, and it just blew me away. I mean, at the, right at the time I was seeing this 2012 thing, you know, it was right around January, late December, and right when it turned 2012. And, yeah, I didn't know what to think, man. It, it, it really blew me away. Um, and that still may be the case. You know, it's interesting that, that most of the popes die in office. And, you know, traditionally, that has kind of been the expectation that you're pope for life. Yeah. Um, but Pope Benedict, you know, he's, he, he's a theologian. He actually worked as in the office that used to be the uh, Grand Inquisition. He was the Grand Inquisitor, really, the, the new version of that before he became pope but when he was writing as a theologian he presented an argument that he thought it was perfectly acceptable for a pope to step down from office if he felt like he was getting too old to do his job yeah. so he's one of the first um vatican theologians to make that argument and uh, that's in print so it would not be um completely unexpected or out of bounds if he were to retire, he might yeah. be one of the first popes in history to do so. Um, yeah. And with the, all the scandal that's going on there this year that we see right now, it, it seems like that's a live possibility. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to look like um, a lot of points are dissecting um, the Middle East, the economy. Um, I mean, wow. I mean, it's, it just seems like there's something going on where 2012 is looking more and more uh, like a conversion point of uh, events. Now, um, we're not talking about December 21st, 2012. We're talking about now. Um, so given uh, the information uh, that's in the book, uh, what what is the possibility uh, that uh, the book, or your research, uh, given the uh, place that the the, 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 the I was going to say false prophet, the, the next pope is supposed to be coming from, does it give a a, a place um, of his origin? Uh, any hints? Well, what it says, you know, in that 
prediction of the 112th Pope and the extreme persecution of the Holy Roman Church, there will sit Peter the Roman. So that's where the name of our book comes from, Petrus Romanus. The final pope is here. That's the name of the book, and it's available on Amazon. It's available at Barnes & Noble. Um, Tom Horn has a website set up called www.prophecyofthepopes.com. If you order it from there, you get a data DVD that has a lot of the original source documents that we used in the research, including that book by the, the Jesuit priest, Rene Thibault, um, in French, the original scan of the book, and then I provide a rough translation of it. So you can check these facts that I'm talking about for yourself, and you can verify for yourself that in 1950, there was a Jesuit looking at this prophecy predicting the year 2012 over 24 times. Now, Peter the Roman, you know, that, that sounds like we're looking at somebody from Italy maybe. And, um, you know, I don't think that his name necessarily has to be Peter because in a way all the popes claim to be the successor of Peter. Um, yeah. So it might be as simple as that. But Peter the Roman does seem to infer an Italian um, and it's really interesting, about six months ago, there was a big controversy where the Pope had just, um, he just uh, brought in a whole bunch of new cardinals, and um, they were, the majority of them were Italians, and this led a lot of the people in, in that report on the Vatican and the politics there to speculate that they were stacking the deck hmm. to bring in an Italian uh, Pope next time, because these, these would be voting cardinals in the final conclave. Um, and, you know, the thing that's interesting is that the, the Italians really do want an Italian Pope, because Rome is a city in Italy, and it's, it's a little strange when they get someone from Poland or Germany, um, because Rome, you know, the, really the, the original office of the Pope was the Bishop of Rome. Um, in the early church, there really was no Papacy, the way that we see it today, that's largely mythology. I mean, the Bishop of Rome was a local official. He was the head of a local church. Really, he didn't become the universal bishop over the whole Catholic Church until around the year 600, around 606 is when the first guy declared himself to be the universal bishop. So I think yeah. we're possibly looking at an Italian. Now, like I said, you know, this prophecy, it, it, it's somewhat... You know, it's somewhat nebulous in the way that we see the fulfillments, and I don't, you know, I can't guarantee that anything, and I don't, yeah. I'm not somebody that makes predictions, but you know, I'll speculate, yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah. I don't claim to know. But I would suspect we we kind of think it could be uh, Cardinal Tarsicio Pierto Bertoni is the guy that we kind of named, but I don't know. It, he his middle name is Peter, and he is. Uh, he's from the district of Romana. He's the second in charge of the Vatican right now. In fact, if something were to happen to Pope Benedict, he would be the interim leader. So well, he wouldn't even have to get elected. It, you know, if yeah. something, if, if Benedict dies or somebody, you know, assassinated him or something, he would be the stand-in guy. And uh, his name literally is uh, Pierto, and he is from the district of Romana. Um, is there any chance... Um that the Pope can be Jewish. Now, let me let me read something to you right quick, just in case. 
Um, it talks about in uh, Revelations 13, it talks about the second beast, and it says, And I beheld another beast coming out of the sea, well, out of the earth, excuse me, out of the earth. And he had two horns like the, a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Now, the key part right there is uh, coming out of the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times that represents uh, Jerusalem or uh, Israel. Uh, any 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 chance that Peter might be might say to himself, the next what? guy might say maybe maybe um, since they think they believe they have a strong belief that Peter the apostle was um, who was Jewish was the first pope. Some people think that way. Now maybe that maybe that's what he's going to do. Maybe he's going to revert. Maybe a Jewish person can be picked. He's going to take the name Peter. Well. You know, I wouldn't rule that out. Um, no. You know, when he comes, the, the first beast, it says he came out of the sea, yes. right? The second beast came out of the earth. Now, in our book, I, I talk about that seems to be an allusion to some, some apocryphal literature, possibly. Um, no. Now, a lot of people would see that, is that the first beast would be a Gentile, you know, symbolized by the sea, and the second beast as a creature of the earth would be from Jerusalem, therefore Jew. So that is, you know, something that scholars have, have written about, um, and it's, it's very much of a possibility, but, you know, that's kind of general. The word earth doesn't have to mean that, but, yeah. you know, we don't know. Um, yeah. What I find, you know, and, but the thing is that the early church did suspect that the Antichrist would be a Jew, yeah. but they didn't really have anything specific about the false prophet. What I found particularly interesting, and we do argue in our book that this final pope is likely this false prophet. Um, And the reason why we think so is that it says he has two horns like a lamb. Now, I think that's pretty... uh, it's pretty transparent symbolism of, you know, Jesus is said to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, that's what John the Baptist said when he walked up. Um, you know, so the Pope claims to be the Vicar of Christ. Vicar literally translates to instead of, or, you know, he is supposed to be Christ's sole representative on earth. That's what he's claiming to be. So he's not only claiming to be like a lamb, he's claiming to be like the lamb, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And um, so I think that this prophecy, you know, two horns like a lamb and spake like a dragon, we're talking about someone who appears to be in a Christian leader um, mm. who claims to speak for the lamb but is really speaking for the devil because obviously the dragon is a very uh, well-known symbol for Satan and the and the the book of Revelation defines that symbol for us. Um, so what? So where did they get the defecting pope from? What is it? What are the uh, people in the Catholic Church? Because I've heard that a lot that they believe he's going to be a defector. Now, if it says in the in Malachi Malachi's uh, uh, the little readage about him that he's going to protect his people or something like that, well, when, well how did they get a defective pope? Pope, which we know the false prophet will be a defecto. But how did they get that? So they say he's going to be an anti-pope? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. How did they get he's going to be evil? Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of an inference. Um, 
when you look at the ending of this prophecy, right, it, it's talking about the church is persecuted. Yeah. And that the city of seven hills destroyed, and the dreadful yeah. judge will judge his people. You know, I think yeah. this, the, the fact that Rome is, is punished, is destroyed and judged, yeah. I mean, if, it doesn't sound like God is really happy with Rome, does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what is the uh, connection, or if there's any connection um, to the Mahdi's, um, uh Jesus, the second, and, and it seems like the Islamic prophecies have the same type of thing where there's a Mahdi, the 12th Iman, and then he has a sidekick, which they call Jesus. Um, is there any parallel between, well, I mean, do y'all ever look at them prophecies and kind of parallel over well, you know, I think that, that you could certainly make that inference as well. Now, we didn't really write about that in this book, but I have looked at that in the past, and, you know, it really does seem to me that they are expecting uh, two figures, and, you know, it seems to me that they're set up to accept the Antichrist and the false prophet as their Messiah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that is likely. I, I think that the Mahdi and, and his sidekick that supposedly Jesus are likely just a false Christ and a, and a false prophet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, th well, thank you for coming on. Um, we did get to the point. <laughs> uh, you have a great uh, uh, trip. You ha you're going to be going to a uh, conference? You're going to be yeah, speaking it's the uh, Prophecy in the News uh, yeah, Prophecy yeah, Conference in Branson, Missouri. It's this weekend. Now, yeah. there, there are going to be some live interviews coming out of that by Derek Gilbert um, mm -hmm. from Peering into Darkness. Uh, his, yeah. his website, view, viewfromthebunker.com, Derek Gilbert. He'll be, uh, I think I'm, he's interviewing me Friday night, but I think he's going to do one Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, I believe. There will be live interviews um, with you know, people like L.A. Marzulli, Gary Stearman, Tom Horn. There'll be quite a few of us um, being interviewed as the prophecy conference goes on. Yeah. Um, I might post a little something. My website is www.logosapologia. That's L-O-G-O-S-A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A dot org. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to, to get the data DVD with the book, go to www.prophecyofthepopes.com. And you'll get over 20,000 pages of source documents that, that we reference and footnote in yeah. our book, Petrus Romanus, The Final Pope is Here. Hey, okay. it's been really great to be on the show yes, with thank you today. You. And, um, yes, thank we'll you very much. We'll do it again sometime. Yes, sir. Have a safe trip. Thank you. Okay. God bless. God yes. bless. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right. Great interview. We'll be right back uh, to end the show. We'll be back. October 30, 1991, President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. 
Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTurnan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcturnan.name. Israel perturbed by Obama's outreach to Musi as the Egyptian leader against his word. Uh, so he's got a uh, meeting. I think Musi is going to go to the uh, White House this September to meet with President Obama. So he's playing footsie still with the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, and people say that President Obama is a undercover Muslim and an opposing Christian. Russia halts sales of new weapons to Syria. Russia will continue with previously agreed exports but will not be selling new arms to Syria and waiting for the mess to die down. Um, Putin, uh, excuse me, that's, that's, that looks like Putin, but it's putting it in conflict with the West. Uh, Russia has blocked the UN Secretary Council from taking strong punitive action. Now, keep in mind the uh, UN has no control over NATO, uh, and I'm pretty sure the UN is going to end up giving uh, the international body uh, permission to go in. Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood leader um, says Israel are rapists of Jerusalem. So in other words, they're, they're doing the complete opposite of what the Bible says, that Israel's, Israel's land, or actually Israel's God's land, and he gave it to the Jewish people. Uh, so these guys got more rhetoric coming out of them than the frogs, and kind of like similar to the frogs in Revelations coming out of the false Satan, the false prophet, and the Antichrist. says, Iran plans to expand, not suspend, its nuclear program position paper obtained by Time of Israel, says. Uh, so they, instead of stopping their nuclear pro- program, they're, they're expanding it. So, folks, what is all the talking for? What is all the talking about the nuclear program that Iran has? What's all the talking for? That's, that's exactly what it is, talk till war. Cover, it says, fake it till you make it. Or in this case, fake it till war starts. And that's exactly what he's doing. I got an article 
saying that this is the formality. They're putting up formality until um, they dis- decide to go in to attack Syria. When is that timeline? When when does it look like it's going to happen? I don't know. Um, but it, we're on the brink. Um, Syria on the brink of catastrophe as rebels advance. The reason and danger. I guess that article tells you a lot. That's from the Duffer Files. Um, and it looks like that's exactly what's happening. This week. The region is in danger of World War Three, And it, it doesn't look like it's any pullback yet. Um, remember, uh, birth pains from a woman come in increments rather than, um, you know, long periods. And uh, a lot of us Bible prophecy watchers, uh, I call everybody a watcher who is interested in Bible prophecy. Um, we have gotten it wrong before many times. And um, we've gotten it wrong because we do not understand birth pains. We don't understand. Only women understand those. And they have to explain it to us men. So women out there, you know that birth pains come and they go in, in increments, rather. And sometimes the contractions get closer and closer and closer to each other. That's when you know the baby's going to come out. Well, right now we got contractions so close, it's ridiculous. It used to be a time where you can uh, well, you wait months for prophecy to be fulfilled. And then it moved to uh, every, you know, every two weeks, one time out of every two weeks. Then it moved to one time a week, and now it's moving to about, now we're at like like 50 different things happening in one week, where you know that we're in end times. Like the, Chris just said on the, our guest, is that um, there seems to be um, a jockey for the position to bring someone into to the popeship uh, for the next pope. Now you've read, you heard what he said about the Pope defecting, so that gives you um, this Pope could defect. Now we know that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled every day, so the things that he's saying has been more uh, more uh, reasonably justified to say that yeah he's on to something with all the other prophecies being um, fulfilled right before our very eyes. Um, Especially when you turn on your evening news and you see all kinds of news about, you know, uh, killings and uh, child uh, molestation and homosexuality. Um, we get to the point that CNN talks a lot about that and they're promoting homosexuality a lot. Um, now, we have to understand that uh, homosexuality was not, well, was one of the main reasons why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, but it was not the main reason. The main reason was pride and arrogance and did not help the poor. In other words, self-centeredness. Self-centeredness will bring God's judgment. Uh, and that, that is not any um, stretch of, the, of, of um, exaggeration. God's judgment will come on a prideful nation. The book of James said that God resists the problem and give grace to the humble. Uh, we are to approach God as a child. That means that 
we understand that we, we can't do anything without Jesus. We can't do anything without God. If if we belong to God, let God work through you. Uh, if you are a child of God, let God work through you. What let God part your sea and the Red Sea for you. Let God raise you from the dead. Let God, uh, you know. Get your enemies and revenge your enemies for you, because he's done a he's done a great job at that. Let God do your miracles. Don't let don't don't try to do them yourself. Um, if you're gonna start a ministry like this, it took me a while to figure that out. That God is the driver and the builder and the guard. He is he is everything. Uh, and if you're listening to the show and you don't know Jesus is your personal savior. This is the time to do it. Uh, time is short. Uh, make that decision. The, the, we are living in times right now is where uh, people are going to pick the side of the line, the dividing line, and they're going to put go onto the side that they uh, choose. So in other words, you you better choose behind door number one, two, or three. And in this case, you know what's behind door number one. It's Jesus. Open your heart to him. The Bible says in Revelations 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens up the door of his heart, I come in and wine and dine. He with me and I with him. That is the time. This is the time that God is calling men out. This is the last call. There's going to be a time where the door shuts. And it will now open back up again. So please, please listen to what I'm saying. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And there is a choice. You choose Jesus or you choose the world. You choose Jesus or you choose neutrality and being neutral. You choose Jesus or you choose Satan. The Bible says that they love their pleasures more than they love their, more than they love God. They're willing to have fun more than go after God. And that is something we need to pray about. We need to pray for our families, our friends, our associates, our coworkers, anyone you come in contact with. Uh, ten out of ten people will stand in front of God to give an account. Ten out of ten people. So everyone will stand in front of God and bow before God. And God will execute proper judgment. We have one life. That is, makes us so unique. Humans have one life. One life, two decisions, choose Jesus or not choose Jesus, heaven or hell. That is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but to me. Now, will God solve all your problems? Sometimes he leaves problems for growth. So when you go through those problems, you grow. But God has provided a way out through his son, Jesus. Choose Jesus today. God bless y'all, and y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day.